Good afternoon, and welcome to the Eco News Report. I'm your host this week, Scott Greeson, Conservation Director with Friends of the Eel River. The Eco News Report is an exclusive feature of KHSU, brought to you by the North Coast Environmental Center, publisher of our regional environmental newspaper, the Eco News. Don't forget, you can find this show and other KHSU public affairs shows on the audio archives page at khsu.org. News broke last week that the Trinity Adaptive Management Working Group, known to the extent it is known as TAMWIG, had been rather abruptly abolished. Well, a number of questions remain about how and why the deed was done. It seems fairly clear that the decision was made in the upper reaches of the Federal Department of the Interior. With me today to discuss the move to end oversight of the Trinity River Restoration Program and its potential consequences are two of the region's leaders in fisheries restoration, both longtime members of the now disbanded working group. With me in the studio here at KHSU is Darren Moreau, uh, North Coast Director for Caltrout. Thanks for coming in, Darren. Thanks for having me, Scott. Good to have you back on the show. And joining us on the phone from the further reaches of Northern California is Tom Stokely. Tom now serves as a consultant to the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Associations, better known as PCFFA, and its Institute for Fisheries Research. But Tom has had a real, a long role in setting up and defining the Trinity Adaptive Management Working Group, or TAMWIG. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Thanks for having me, Scott. Great to be here. So let's just start with the very basic stuff. And I want to shout out to Will Houston, who's reporting in the Time Standard, is a lot of the basic information I have about what's happened here. But what was the Trinity Adaptive Management Working Group? Why was it set up and how did it function? I think that's a question for you, Tom. Yeah, the the TAMWAG, as it's affectionately known, is what's called a federal advisory committee. The federal government is not allowed to directly take advice from citizens unless it's through a federal advisory committee. So this group was set up under the 2000 Trinity River Record of Decision that was signed by Bruce Babbitt and former Hoopa Valley Tribal Chairman Dwayne Sherman. And the purpose of the TAMWAG is to provide public input and public oversight of the expenditure of a $15 million a year program. Well, that leads us to the question then, What's that program and why is it there? We're talking there about the Trinity River Restoration Program. Why do we even have that? Darren, you want to take a shot at that? Sure. Yeah, we have a Trinity River Restoration Program because we have a Central Valley Project dam on the Trinity River that was constructed in, what, 1962 and over the years caused a a pretty substantial decline in the fish populations in in the Trinity River. So... Over the years, the river was studied and ultimately led to the Trinity River flow evaluation study and record of decision that established the Trinity River Restoration Program with the goal of bringing back fish populations and their abundance. Yeah, quoting from the Arcata Fish and Wildlife Office website on the TAMWAG, which is still up but may not be very much longer. It says the purpose of the Trinity River Restoration Program is to restore the Trinity River Basin's fish and wildlife populations to those that existed prior to construction of the Trinity River Diversion. Which in and of itself is very controversial. That's quite a goal. A noble goal, certainly. But a little history, a little more history on that diversion. Basically, the federal government constructed a dam, as you said, in the early 60s that resulted in as I remember it, 80% of the Trinity's flow, so a very substantial portion of the overall Klamath Basin, the Klamath watersheds. 
Yes, it, it diverted it diverted ninety percent of the river's flow from about nineteen sixty three until about nineteen eighty when there was a slight increase in the river's flows. And we're talking about flows at Lewiston, which is still quite a ways up in the watershed. But for many years, and even now, the long-term average amount of water since it was first constructed is about 900,000 acre feet a year. That's almost twice as much water as the city of L.A. uses in a year. It's a huge amount of water. And one other important fact is that the Trinity River was actually specifically dammed to irrigate the San Luis unit of the Central Valley Project, which is in the western San Joaquin Valley and includes the Westlands Water District, which is one of the most litigious anti-salmon water agencies in California. And that seems like a key fact, Tom. We've seen a number of lawsuits from Westlands and the San Luis aimed at increasing diversions from the Trinity in recent years. Yeah, they've actually litigated extensively to prevent higher increases or, or, or increases in flows. In particular, there was about three or four years of litigation over the record of decision after Babbitt signed it in 2000. In fact, they were so anxious to litigate, they sued before he even made a decision. And just to sort of finish off that piece, the record of decision you're referring to that Bruce Babbitt signed in the Bill Clinton administration effectively put that diversion rate down to about half of the Trinity's flows? Yes, that's correct. It was slightly half of the Trinity River's flows. And then if you add in the 50,000-acre-foot contract that the Humboldt County Board of Supervisors signed in 1959 with the Bureau of Reclamation, it's pretty much exactly half of the river's natural flow at Lewiston. And the natural flow of the river at Lewiston is about 1,250,000 acre-feet of water. So the river gets about half of that. The Central Valley gets the other half, although it varies how much goes over the hill. During very dry years, if there's storage in Trinity Lake, uh, they'll rely on it very heavily during drought. Then in a year like this last year, when there was quite abundant water, they didn't take as much water and rebuilt storage. Okay, so to pull back out, what we're talking about right now is the abolition of a stakeholders working group that functioned as an oversight committee on the multi-agency group that actually designs and implements this Trinity River restoration program. Why? Yeah. So why, in your views, the two of you, was the, the working group abolished? What's, what's the reason? And my political science part of me wants to ask who benefits qui bono from the abolition of the working group? Go ahead, Darren. I was going to say, let's take a step back and, and describe who the members are of the town. There you like. go. Yeah. Okay. So we have stakeholders that represent river rafting guides and river rafting recreational uses of the river. People that represent the Trinity Trinity Lake recreation up above the dam. Mm-hmm. Fishing, recreational fishing interests like cow trout. We have business owners along the river. So, you know, the multitude of stakeholders that benefit from or or use the resources from the Trinity River need to have a voice and want to be a part of you know, the decision-making and the planning that goes into this large-scale river restoration program. Are the tribes part of that as well, or do they have a different role? They're on the Trinity Management Council, so they have an exclusive role, you know, in the decision-making process, but not in the, in the advisory committee. They're in there with the agencies. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, the advisory committee advises the Trinity Management Council, which is supposed to act like a board of directors. And I might add that there are also Central Valley Project 
water and power customers that have been on the committee. Well, we've had a couple of power customers, one from Trinity Public Utilities District that gets energy from the Trinity River Division. And until recently, we had a, a representative of Reading Electric Utility. And we also had, until about a year ago, a representative from Central Valley Project Water Customers, a representative from the Glen Calusa Irrigation District in the Sacramento Valley. So virtually every every stakeholders has a chance to be represented. And honestly, I'm not sure who benefits from the committee going away because everybody gets a chance to look at the budget, to look at the projects and the programs. And one thing that's really great about the TAMWAG is while we have a lot of different viewpoints, we often come together to try to make the program better. And it's really kind of a unique group. And I actually have enjoyed the meetings over the years and we'll kind of miss them. Yeah, and I, and I think in recent years, we've been quite functional. There's great attendance from all the stakeholders at the meetings. We have really solid agendas that are notified to the public before we meet. You know, so And we have support from the Fish and Wildlife Service as the designated federal officer to, to help us conduct business. So, I, you know, it's a very functional group. We're collegial. We get things done, productive, and I think provides really great insight to the, to the TMC. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Eco News Report on KHSU. I'm Scott Greeson, Conservation Director with Friends of the Eel River, and I'm talking today about the fairly abrupt abolition of the Trinity Adaptive Management Working Group with Darren Maru from Caltrout and Tom Stokely, a consultant to the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Associations. Okay, so you guys had a great working relationship and all, but... There was a letter that TAMWAG sent to the Management Council last spring that said basically there's conflicts of interest with the agencies here and you guys really aren't doing what you should be doing. Is there a relationship between that apparent friction and this move? Well, you know, we don't really know. I have three theories on what happened. The first one is just bureaucratic inertia. And something happened along the chain of command, and the people at the Interior Department making decisions didn't get the right paperwork to continue approving this group to meet. We haven't been able to meet since March. We've been told there was a hold on all federal advisory committee meetings under the new administration, but that presumably we'd be reviewed and we'd be determined to be an active group and allowed to meet. So... We'd been told all along that a significant amount of paperwork had been submitted to the Interior Department, but it was sort of a black hole there, and and our contacts locally with the Fish and Wildlife Service didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. So the first one is maybe the paperwork just didn't get to Washington. Maybe somebody sent me a letter to the wrong address asking me for information, and I didn't get it. I have to say that has happened before with the Interior Department. The second theory is that perhaps we were goring somebody's ox and they didn't like the kind of recommendations and findings that we were making and maybe we got sandbagged. And then the third theory is that I'm I'm an activist and I've been around for over 30 years and I've definitely called out the Bureau of Reclamation and the Interior Department for a number of things that, that I didn't think and the organizations that I was working for didn't think was a good idea. And it's possible they might have just eliminated the group because they might have considered the chairman of the group to be some kind of a hothead. So those are the three theories. I don't know if Darren has any other ones to add. 
we're still really kind of mystified. Yeah, and I'd, I'd want to correct as well. I don't think that the group has been deact. I don't think it's been – what was the term you used at the start? I've used a couple – abolished. Abolished. But, yeah. I don't think the group has technically been abolished. We were, we were put into an administrative inactive status. Now, you could, you could think that that might be a screen for never doing anything henceforth to reactivate the group, and that may be the case. But nobody has officially, that I'm aware of, said that we're abolished. So there's, we're, we're still hopeful that this can be rectified. I am certainly hopeful that we can turn this decision around. Okay, but apparently Tom, Tom's reported as saying in the Times Standard last week that your members' appointments will all expire right. in January. So now we have two yeah. challenges to overcome. One is this inactive status, and the other is appointments of members to a, a TAMWAG. Correct. Yeah, and I actually misspoke to the time standard. It was actually March of ah. 2018 that my, at least my appointment expires. I'm not sure about the other members. Breaking and the news. Charter, the charter is good until early January of 2019. So if they allowed us to meet again, we could have a meeting before our appointments expire. And if they got on the ball, they could appoint new members by the time our current appointments expire. As far as Tom's hypotheses, I think, I think number one, you know, some kind of mismanagement of the paperwork seems, seems likely, but we haven't been told. And, and none of us have received any, any direct communications from Department of Interior or Fish and Wildlife Service stating that they wish us to do certain things. We certainly would have complied with any requests for information had we received them, but we haven't. So that's a little suspicious. There's a principle in politics generally that one should avoid attributing to malice what can be explained by incompetence. But it seems to me that this is a circumstance where we have abundant evidence of malice and also of incompetence, and it's hard to parse between them. I guess two pieces that we haven't talked about yet that influence my thinking on this are, one, the appointment of, I think the guy's name is David Bernhard, a former attorney for the Westlands Water District to a key position in senior Department of the Interior leadership. And he seems like just the kind of guy who would pull just these sorts of strings. And two, the the Trump administration's wholesale assault on public lands, public trust values, and in this case, public waters. And here, you know, again, we've, we've all heard, I think, about the undesignation of two fairly controversial national monuments in southern Utah. It amounts to the largest loss of protection of public lands in U.S. history. And in this context, it's hard for me to read this kind of move as innocuous or fundamentally just sloppy. Any any comments on that? Well, this is Tom. I worked in local government for 23 years, and I do have to say that nine times out of ten when people thought there was a conspiracy, it was purely bureaucratic incompetence, and I think what I'm pretty much restating what you just said. So that's very, very likely. But then on the other hand, yes, David Bernhardt, as the number two man in the Interior Department, as the Deputy Secretary of Interior. He's been a lobbyist for Westlands. And as a matter of fact, about two or three weeks before this occurred, my name appeared in an action alert about a 
a bill going through the House that would be a huge giveaway to the Westlands Water District, and it mentioned Mr. Bernhardt in unfavorable terms. So the thought crossed my mind it could have been a reaction to that. But that being said, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think getting rid of the TAMWAG benefits anybody. It's been explained to me a number of times that the money that goes into the Trinity River Restoration Program, and this was explained to me by actual federal employees, is a form of blood money. The significant amount of water goes over the hill to the Sacramento River and the Delta and the San Joaquin Valley from the Trinity River. And by spending money on the Trinity River, the Bureau of Reclamation can say, well, we're not hurting the Trinity River. We're spending $15 million a year there. So the Bureau needs this program in the sense for cover for their diversions, because if they weren't spending money to restore the river, I think there are a number of entities who might go after the Bureau of Reclamation and say, well, since the river's not getting restored, we need more water, or we need all the water to go down the Trinity River. And by getting rid of public participation and review, it quite frankly makes this program more vulnerable to public criticism, to people who might not want to see it exist. And so, again, I don't really see the benefit to anybody from getting rid of the TAMWAG. So you're suggesting that this could reopen the whole fight over the Trinity Diversion, really? Well, it could in the long run. I think it's a very slow process. You know, for instance, if we don't get reinstated, there will probably be more calls to defund the program, and then that could escalate into that kind of situation. I'm not saying... I support that. Certainly the program has its critics, and this feeds into the criticism of the program. Okay, so we've talked about what happened and, and what it might mean, but what do we do about it? Darren, Caltrout has got an action alert out suggesting that people write to Secretary of the Interior Zinke and, and ask him to reinstate the working group. Is that what we need to do? Well, I think that we need to raise the, the awareness of the public that this is taking place so that people are... are are able to support what we're recommending, which is reinstatement and reactivation of the group. I think we need more information. We, I'd like to hear directly from people in the Department of Interior or the Bureau or Fish and Wildlife Service, you know, a reasonable explanation as to what our status is so that we know what we're dealing with. I don't think we've had that. I've had one phone call from our designated federal officer explaining our status, and that's, that's pretty much it. And I've heard hearsay here and there so we need to straighten out the record. And then ultimately our goal absolutely is to reinstate the, the program, I mean the, the, the Trinity Adaptive Management Working Group. Are you getting support from elected officials on this point? I have not reached out to Jared Huffman in this case, would be the, the first go-to person. I haven't done that yet. We're, we're still. He's very supportive, and he is going to write a letter to Zinke requesting more information and trying to get the group reinstated, as I understand it from reading in the Time Standard this morning. Yeah, again, Will Houston has done yeoman work on this this story, and really a lot of what we're reporting today comes from his articles in the Time Standard. I guess I'm left with another question, which is, is that enough? Is just putting the working group back in place enough to get things on track sufficient to make you guys happy to achieve the purposes of the Trinity River Restoration Program in terms of restoring fish and wildlife. I'm not very well acquainted with the project in its details, but I've been watching it for years. And 
you know, it's certainly not the case that we've got fish and wildlife populations back to where they were before the diversion started. Well, I think that the answer goes back to your original question of who benefits from having the TAMWAG disbanded, if in fact it is being disbanded. Right. Is it because we're we're writing these critiques of the program and the TMC? Well, if it is, that's our job. And, and Tom, as chairman of the group for the last two years, I think has done a, a remarkable job of keeping the group focused on, you know, oversight of the TMC. And the TMC is the... Trinity Management Council, Thank you, composed sorry. of the agencies and the tribes. Right. Right. And so is is the Trinity Management Council a coherent, unified, singular thing, or is it a group that's composed of agencies with competing interests and priorities and some conflict within it? Tom, you want to take that one? Sure. Well, there are eight members of the Man- Management Council, and the Hoopa Valley Yurok Tribe, State of California, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Bureau of Reclamation, U.S. Forest Service, and National Marine Fishery Service. And there's been, well, I'll just put it this way. I'm going to the meetings the next two days, and they're not nearly as fun as the TAMWAG meetings. The program has had a lot of controversy. There's been a lot of conflict, and there have been several reviews over the years, starting back 2004. There was a subcommittee of the TMC that I worked on a report when I worked for Trinity County that recommended some changes. Again, in 2009, there was a what's called a situation assessment report by folks called CDR Associates, and they came up with a number of suggestions to improve the program. And then most recently, the Hoopa Valley and Yurok tribes felt that the program was not moving in the right direction. And so they requested of the regional directors of the Bureau of Reclamation and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that an independent review be made of the program to come up with recommendations to fix it. So actually, this is the worst possible time to get rid of public review because there's been a consultant hired, Headwaters Corporation, out of Lincoln, Nebraska, I believe it is. And for a quarter of a million dollars, they're interviewing people with the program. They're looking at goals and objectives of the program, and they're going to come up with very specific recommendations on how to improve the program. Well, basically, this was done back in 2009 with the Situation Assessment Report, and nothing changed because the Management Council, and this is this has been memorialized by the TAMWAG. Darren might have, I think, abstained on the vote, but the TAMWAG feels that there are conflicts of interest on the Management Council where people can vote on a budget that then funds their own projects. And there are also supermajority voting rules on the Management Council. So if two members don't agree, then they can basically filibuster a motion. And so the TAMWAG has gone on record basically saying that we think that the Federal Advisory Committee should be merged with the Management Council so that the public actually gets more of a say. As it is, as TAMWAG chairman, I was able to be a member of the Management Council, but I didn't get to vote on anything. So we'd come up with all these recommendations. Sometimes they would accept them. Sometimes they wouldn't. Often they wouldn't accept them. And then I wouldn't be able to vote on it. So at any rate, there's a huge review going on. And when the findings come out, whether or not there's a TAMWAG, I certainly will be advocating for some changes in the program to make sure that things like conflict of interest are not occurring. So from the outside, it looks like, broadly speaking, there are 
two different interests, essentially. One is the interest in maintaining or increasing diversions to the Central Valley. The other is the interest in restoring fish and wildlife to the Trinity Basin. And the Bureau of Reclamation is the federal agency that's really invested in the diversion, and the other entities are more interested in restoration. Is that roughly accurate? I'm getting a I'm getting a sad face from Darren. I don't know yeah. if there's active dialogue about increasing diversions from the from the project over to the Central Valley. There certainly is a, a fundamental from the program. Yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. they they may want certainly they would want more water, but right. there's nothing on the table proposing change of of the diversion volume. But I wouldn't be surprised if there was sympathy for that position within the Bureau of Reclamation. Put it mm. that way. Perhaps so. Not not reading this as a malign intent, but just sort of this is how federal agencies work. They see their missions being, you know, doing the thing they do. Mm-hmm. Well, let's put it this way. Probably there are people within the Bureau of Reclamation who begrudge the water that's going down the Trinity River for the fish, and we're not getting results. I actually think that the Central Valley Water and Power customers would very much like to see this program succeed. In fact, they could pay less for the program if it did succeed. There's a provision written to a 1992 law that says if they actually meet the restoration goals for the Trinity River, they can cut their payments in half. So they do have a financial incentive. Okay, I guess last thoughts from either of you, Darren or Tom. And Darren, I'm particularly interested to give people the website where they can find the action alert asking people to contact Secretary Zinke about this. Well, our Caltrout website is www.caltrout.org, or you can email me at d-m-i-e-r-a-u at caltrout.org, and I'll forward it to you. Okay. Any last thoughts, Tom? Well, just appreciate your efforts to keep the public informed, and I think it is really important to have public oversight of the expenditure of public funds. Uh, I think it's an essential element of democracy. Just... To conclude, from my perspective, if you look at the program and understand that it's undergoing this review of the program structure and its function currently, the program isn't meeting its program goals of restoring fish to the Trinity River. It's not even near them. Right. And now we have this issue with the TAMWAG, the public oversight of the of the whole program. It's in disarray, and it needs to have some focus. And, and there are things that need to be fixed within this program to make it go forward in the right way. Well, I really appreciate both of you coming in, and um, I really appreciate you guys joining me on the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me and Scott. This has been the Eco News Report. My name is Scott Greeson. I'm Conservation Director with Friends of the Eel River. I've been your host for the past half hour. I was speaking with Tom Stokely of the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Associations and Darren Maru from Caltrout better known as California Trout. If you have any questions or comments about this program, please call our listener comment line at 826-6089. You can hear this broadcast again on the archive programs page of the station's website at khsu.org. You can also find the Eco News Report on iTunes as a podcast. The Eco News Report is produced at Humboldt State University in cooperation with the North Coast Environmental Center. Tune in again next week at the same time for the Eco News Report. Thank you.